Enjoy more stories in your language by visiting sbs.com.au. Welcome to Noir Here, this podcast with me, Johan Gabrielsson. In each program, we highlight some of the best writers of this crime genre and meet the people behind the popular TV shows. Today we travel to Sweden, home to Hans Rosenfeldt, crime writer and creator of one of the most popular TV show ever to come out of Nordic Noir, The Bridge. This award-winning drama centers around the memorable detective Sara Norén, whose standoffish behavior have fascinated audiences all over the world. More of that later. First, criminologist and writer Christopher Carlson. Christopher was with us in the very first Nordic Noir podcast when we talked about Sjöval Wale, the writers responsible for creating the Nordic Noir genre. In today's episode, Christopher Carlson reveals the fascinating world of criminology and how his day job has influenced his award-winning crime stories. His book The Invisible Man from Salem was named Best crime novel of the year 2013. Here is an excerpt. Sometimes I see people, couples, walking hand in hand. They look happy laughing as though there are no troubles in their lives, as though they've never lost anything and they're not going to lose each other. If they only knew how fast it could happen. I know. And you know, don't you? You remember. But it wasn't about you that time. Not really. When I see them, sometimes want to do something drastic pull them away from each other. Maybe because it fills me with envy, but maybe also because I want them to understand that nothing lasts forever. Sooner or later, something's going to happen to people. Christopher Carlson is somewhat of an expert on the writing duo Schöver-Wahle. Have Schöver-Wahle had an impact on Carlson's own writing? Oh, it, it affected me in, in a myriad of ways, I think. And uh, honestly, some of them are probably on the subliminal level. I've read these books. I read them when I was around 13, 14, and I reread them still once every couple of years because they're just fantastic crime stories. And I typically don't reread many books. 
you know, I think life is too short to reread books. You need to read new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but these ones are, are an exception. So they have influenced me in many ways. One of them, I think, is the way they use language. When I came across Schervalvaler and started reading, I read the first chapter of Rosanna. I realized that I was reading the coolest, darkest, most dangerous voice that I had come across. When I'm at my best, I think that my writing is very dense, very restrained, but effective. Because the genius of Cuervalvole was that they realized that if you told a crime story about a serious subject matter, if you told a crime story about repression of the police, or if you told it about child molesters, these serious social issues, you would actually increase the suspense. That's the genius. The book becomes more thrilling, more suspenseful because it tells the reader something about the time and place he or she lives in and that heightens the suspense rather than weighs it down and I always sort of try to do that use a social issue to tell an exciting story you, you can integrate the criticism or the social issue what have you in your crime story and make it more effective and suspenseful for the reader because as he or she reads it they experience it as the world they see around them but what is it because you must have made a conscious decision along the way that this is my style this is what i want to explore in my writing what is that what intrigues me are the questions of who we are a good crime story is always about something else than crime when you think about it it's about questions of of love friendship Faith, addiction, greed, money, power, attraction. These are the things that make us human in many ways. Studying criminology, working as a criminologist, I, I learned early on that, you know, these very human things, these very human factors, when crime occurs, crime is a rare phenomenon, but when it occurs, it is usually the result of these very human factors being drawn to their extreme or turned on their head. Christopher, when you interview or you meet policemen or people that works with crime or are visiting crime scenes, a lot of them actually battles depression because you see another side of humanity that you're exposed to and they try to deal with that. I mean, you are working as a criminologist. You have PhD criminology. When you're not working criminology, you're writing crime books. And when I don't do that, I read crime novels. <laughs> so how do you think that affects your view of life? When you interview someone who is 58 years old, he grew up in a foster home. He was abused at the foster home. He came on the drug scene and the crime scene, and he stayed there. He did time in prison. He did time in drug treatment. He has not worked much of his life, but he is now, toward the end of his life, actually working part-time. He is drug-free now. He lives with a partner since several years back. He does not have any money in the bank, but he has a place to live, and he can pay his bills. Now, you could say that's a terrible life story. Abuse at foster home, on the crime and drug scene for many, many years, stints in prison and so on. But you could also look at that story, look at this interview person and see him as a survivor, somebody who has gone through hell 
someone who has had to go through hell, even though he had nothing to do with the beginning of it at all, but he has survived. So it's partly about your perspective. Crime fiction, it actually affirms your faith in society to some extent. Because even though we go through all of these dramas, the darkness, the horrors, in the end, in the crime fiction world, the crime is solved. The guilty go to prison and the good prevails. Writer and criminologist Christopher Carlson. A bridge between two worlds. A bridge between good and evil. And between two cops of two nations. What looks like a single crime. Turns into high-tech serial killings, threatening all of Scandinavia. A trained killer on a sinister mission to bring terror to society and bomb democracy as we know it. will win the fatal race. The bridge. Strömlös på bron, halva kroppar, en av de politiker. Vi kommer att ha ögonen på oss. The Bridge was the TV series that many say took the genre Nordic Noir to the next level. It presented characters and storylines never seen before. The actress Sofia Helene, who played the character Saga Norén, was said to be the first autistic lead character in any crime show. Her psychological makeup fascinated TV audiences. But her diagnosis have always been somewhat of a mystery. I asked the show's creator, Hans Rosenfeldt, how it all started. It all started quite a long time ago, 2006. I was approached by a production company in Sweden, who later turned out to produce it, Filmlands International. And they asked me and uh, some colleagues of mine to create a show that was going to be bilingual and was going to be set 50% in Sweden and 50% in Denmark because the, the CEO of this company had an idea. Because we in Sweden at that time, we watched everything Danish and we loved it, but they didn't watch anything Swedish basically. And when they did, they weren't that impressed. <laughs> so he thought that let's do a bilingual show so that we get the Danes to like what we do as well, as much as we like what they do. Well, it, it was supposed to be a thriller, 10 episodes, and set 50-50 Denmark-Sweden. That was about all the rules we had to follow. 
And then out of this freedom came this extraordinary two characters, Saga Norén and Martin Rode. How yeah. were they formed? Well, we knew we, we were going to need two police officers, one from each country. And we had already uh, what we thought would be a good idea to, for how to bring them together with the body right on the border on the bridge. So then we thought, okay, so we wanted to, to work with Kim Bodnia. We didn't know if he wanted to work with us, but we wanted to work with him. And he he's been was quite well known at that time for playing kind of bad guy, tough roles, um, a lot of fighting. Yeah, he, he was a tough guy. He was usually a bad boy in the shows and that he was on previously in the films. So we wanted to see if, if we got him, we wanted to do something else. We created kind of a family man, family father, married for the third time, a lot of kids. We wanted to create, yeah, a bit of a family man, a bit of a photos of his kids in his wallet and all of that. And then on the Swedish side, we, we wanted to to have something that was quite opposite him. Then I came up with the idea that what happens if we create a, a female character with absolutely no social skills? Uh, and that was basically Saga. We started to do her and we said, what about it? She has no social skills. She doesn't understand irony. She doesn't understand subtext. She, she's just socially awkward. If we want to say, we, we kind of played against with gender. Not only did we kind of, cast Kim about against what he's usually doing, which is also, if you, if you look at what he's doing and his part, it's, he has perhaps more traits that we usually connect with female characters, while Saga is perhaps have more traits that we usually connect with male characters. What is the female with Martin, you mean? When you look at shows like ours, you get the, the females are usually more socially engaged. They're usually more caring about not only their partners at home, but also partners at work. They are usually the ones talking about their families. They're having the family life, mixing it together with a working life. All of that is quite common traits in, in this kind of TV. Uh, and you see a lot of men, especially in Sweden, who, who have no family. They're divorced. They have a bad relation with ex-wives and kids. They drink a little too much. They, they don't talk about what they feel. They stare out in the eternity in, in the nights instead of sleeping. You know, you have, so that silent loner, perhaps a more of a male trait in, in this kind. Of, and, and we gave Saga a bit of that, and we gave Martin a bit of perhaps the more commonly known female traits. But do you think that you had such a clear idea who you wanted to play Martin, but did you have the same idea when it came to Saga? No, we had no idea who we wanted to play Saga. We had a lot of auditions for her. We, we made, did a lot of casting. And when you saw her, were you there? Did you just say, yeah, that's it? Um, I wasn't there when she did it. I saw the films from the casting and, yeah, pretty much right away saw that she got it because she had a very intuitive way of getting Saga I know now since I talked to her that she didn't really get her um, and she didn't really like her to begin with. But she, to me, it was because it was very easy to, to kind of play Saga, to, you know, kind of act yeah. Saga, to kind of act the weirdness of her. Uh, and, and Sophia just didn't do that. Sophia just, you know, had it. Uh, and then she came out a bit weird and a bit funny and a bit, but, but she didn't act that. And, and that was such a relief to see, actually. You said, uh, I read somewhere, that it's more interesting to write female characters than male. There's so many men out there, so many male characters. If you watch the shows that's still on, you still get, especially from the US, it seems that there should be, there's a law that you need a, a male lead character. They don't really trust, obviously, female-driven TV shows. 
So it's just fun to do something else. It's for me, I also, I'm, I'm with more women than, than men, actually. I have far more female friends than male friends. You know, I've never been that kind of a man, man hanging around the, the barbecue and drinking beer and watching football. It's never really been mine. I don't know. It's just, it's just easier for me, I think. Writing Danish characters in a Danish society and Swedish characters in Sweden, do you have to think differently as a writer? Is, is there differences that you thought important to emphasize? We decided let's create kind of a, a universe of our own. We just call it Malmö and Copenhagen and have the bridge between us. So it's, I think it's the same with the characters, really. There's a few things. I, I, there's been a few times when when our Danish colleagues on, on, on the script side has said, mm, we don't really do this in Denmark, or this would be seemed a bit odd mm. if someone did this in Denmark. But quite a few things, and then we just take those out. Sometimes we don't even decide until later whether or not the character should be Danish or Swedish. Sometimes we put the script together and we see, oh, this episode, there's a lot of spoken Swedish in this one. What happens if we make her Danish? And then, oh, yeah, that works. Then we even it out a bit. Sometimes we don't even create them as Danes and Swedes. We just create them as characters, and then we decide what nationality they are. There's drama on the screen with Bridge, but not a lot of people know that it was like a lot of drama going into the third season when the actor playing Martin Rude decided to leave. What I understand, six months before you were going to start shooting the third season. I mean, have you ever been challenged? in such a way before. That was a very stressful summer. But you came out of it and actually, I read you thought it was almost for the betterment of the focus of the show. It, it was a bit of a blessing in disguise because we had to all of a sudden think more about what the show really is. What is vital? Because we thought, well, Sargon and Martin, they are the show. So what is it if we lose one of those pieces? When you wrote that series, your main, one of the main actor is no longer with you. You were aware already then of the success of the first season. So quite a lot of extra pressure on you. It did. It did, especially because in a TV audience, they're quite conservative. If they like something, they kind of want it to stay that way. Making major changes in, in popular shows, that, that's quite risky. And there was a lot when we, we went public quite early with the fact that Martin is not going to be on the show. So that that wouldn't come as a surprise a week before we actually started showing it. People should have time to kind of digest that, that, okay, this is going to be without Martin. And we got a lot of how you, that won't work, oh, oh, that now the show is dead, and now, well, why don't you just cancel it, and all of that. And uh, so I think a lot of people were actually pleasantly surprised mm -hmm. that the show could actually go on just as strong and just as good without him. Now, you must have drawn your conclusion about the success of the bridge. What made it so successful? I mean, the world over. How come an audience in Denmark, northern part of England, in Sydney, can sit and be completely besotted with the story and the characters? What's the secret? I mean, there was a lot of things working for us when we started. We The timing was exceptionally good because we came out... On the TV side, we were the next thing after The Killing, which was a huge hit as well. It was all Danish, but still kind of Nordic noir. So we came after Killing and people wanted to know what will be next from the Nordic countries. And that was us. So the timing was good. 
there was also a big interest in Scandinavia because of Stieg Larsson books just started to be really, really popular worldwide. So we were kind of in a flow from Scandinavia and then the bridge came out. Well, as you said, we had two really, really compelling characters that you really enjoyed following and together with quite complicated, quite elevated crime plot, a classic whodunit. It's a good looking show. And then I think we also, around the world, is um, looked upon as a little bit exotic up here in the north. We heard Hans Rosenfeldt. Thanks for listening to our podcast series Noir Hear This. The reading in this episode was done by Will Smith. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends, review us on iTunes and subscribe via your favorite podcast app. Goodbye. SBS On Demand is the home of Nordic Noir Down Under. From genre-defining titles like The Bridge to the newest wave of Scandi thrillers, get ready to binge with over 20 of the genre's best titles, including Trapped, Midnight Sun, Dicta, Modus, Below the Surface, and more. Buried secrets, buried bodies. Unearth all the best Nordic noir on SBS On Demand now.